Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, according to the History Channel, it all started with a Celtic festival known as Samhain, which is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. How you get Samhain out of that, I don't know. Around 2,000 years ago, the Celts living in Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France had their new year on November 1st. It marked the end of the harvest and the beginning of the cold winter months. Because of what was happening in nature, this time of year also had a focus on death and dying. And the Celts believed that on the night before their new year started, the boundary between the world of the living and the world of the dead was blurred. So on their New Year's Eve, October 31st, they celebrated sowing, where it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. It was also believed that if you went outside that night, you would encounter these ghosts. So, to avoid being recognized, people would dress up in costume to make the ghosts think they were fellow spirits. Also, to prevent the ghosts from entering their homes, people would leave bowls of food outside their door to appease them. Fast forward many years, of course, and this obviously becomes Halloween. Today, it's a toned-down, usually family-friendly night of dressing up in costumes, walking around the neighborhood, and getting a whole bunch of free candy. The church, though, also celebrates this blurring of the line between the living and the dead, but not in such a spooky sort of way. On May 13th, in the year 609, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome to honor all of the Christian martyrs. And a feast day known as All Martyrs Day was established. However, Pope Gregory III later expanded this day to include all of the saints along with the martyrs and moved that celebration to November 1st perhaps in an attempt to replace the Celtic celebrations with an official church one. But whether you go all the way back to the Celts or to the formation of All Saints Day, this is clearly the time of year that the dead are remembered and their lives are seen to somehow still influence our own. Some people take it to a spooky extreme and talk about things like mummies and zombies and ghosts living in haunted houses. But today, on this Sunday after All Saints Day, we celebrate the relationship between the living and the dead as something joyous. We take time to remember those who have gone before us and how their faith still resonates in our lives today. On that list in your bulletin, you'll see all of those names that you've submitted over these last few weeks. Now, I bet you don't know everybody on that list. But I bet you know some people. Probably the names of the people you submitted. And even if you didn't submit any names, you can probably still remember some people in your life who've died who've had a big impact on you. 
But the thing is, most people in the world have no idea who your loved ones are. Even if they were important to you, the rest of the world just doesn't care about them. And honestly, the rest of the world doesn't care about you either. For example, when Pope Boniface IV started All Martyrs Day, it was to celebrate, well, the martyrs. People who actually died for their faith. Then later, any of the faithful who died were included, whether their faith led to their death or not. And then, even later still, November 2nd became All Souls Day, to just remember any of the common, ordinary people who died. So in other words, there was really the important superstars of the faith, the martyrs. Then there were the well-known, recognizable celebrity types of faith, the saints. And then there were just the regular, everyday people like you and me at the bottom. People who were easily forgotten and ignored by the world. Right? Even back in the day, there was this hierarchy of who seemed to be the most important. We see this still happening today. Like, think about the costumes that you saw on Halloween. If they weren't spooky things like monsters or ghosts, I bet that they were things like superheroes or princesses or pop culture characters. They were instantly recognizable. These are the characters that people wanted to be because they're well-known. I mean, not many people dress up on Halloween and want to hear others say, uh, who are you supposed to be? <clears throat> Honestly, because we get that question enough in our real lives. <clears throat> who are you supposed to be? Why should I pay attention to you? You're nobody important. In general, we want people to recognize us in life. Okay, sure, maybe you're not trying to be a celebrity, but you probably don't want to fade away into obscurity either. All of us want to leave some kind of impact or legacy. We want to be remembered as important somehow. And so we look around at the people who've already made a name for themselves, and we try to imitate them. And sometimes we even call them blessed. Right, in our world, being blessed seems to mean that you're well off in life. You've got a lot of money or a lot of stuff. Things are going really well for you. People know who you are, this sort of thing. And actually, that's what people thought it meant back in Jesus' day, too. If you had a lot of good things in life, then those were God's blessings upon you. But as we know, life doesn't always go our way. And people don't always know who we are. Perhaps that's why the term blessed started to evolve. It became something more like count your blessings. As in, your life is going a whole lot better than you think it is. Open your eyes and see all of the great things that you already have. That means you don't have to be some 
perfect person or even somebody well-known in order to be blessed. You might just have a family and good health and a job, a roof over your head, a bed to sleep in at night, clothes on your back. If that's the case, well, then you are blessed too. But even that's not what Jesus meant when he talked about being blessed. In this gospel reading from Luke, we hear the famous Beatitudes. But these aren't the more familiar ones from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. These are the ones from the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. The two lists are similar, but they're also different. For example, in Matthew, we hear something like, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In Luke, though, it's just, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. As in actual hunger, actual thirst, practical, everyday, real-life problems. The list of people in these Beatitudes are the nobodies. The people with everyday problems. The easily forgotten people. Those who just fade away into obscurity. They are the ones that the rest of the world would definitely not consider to be blessed. Unlike Matthew, Luke also includes this list of woes. Now, woe to you does not mean cursed are you or damned are you. Rather, it's more like watch out or warning. For example, Jesus said, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. In other words, if you find comfort in money, then watch out. That's not all there is to life. Or if you think life is all about your own comfort and happiness, then watch out. Because trouble will still come your way. Or if you think life is all about laughter and having a good time, then watch out. Because life doesn't work that way. Your loved ones who died knew that life was hard. And you know that life is hard. But they also knew that God would see them through. And you know that too. That's what it means to be blessed. You are not favored by God because you have a bunch of stuff or because you're well-known You're not even favored by God because horrible things happen to you. No, you are blessed by God even when horrible things happen to you. Or in other words, no matter what happens in life, God will not abandon you. God is right there with you. You can count on that. That's what Jesus is getting at with these Beatitudes. So on this All Saints Sunday, we celebrate that this boundary between the living and the dead has been blurred. In fact, it's been broken completely 
because Jesus has conquered the power of death. He has given new life to all of your loved ones who have entered into his glory. And he's giving new life to you. So right now, I want you to imagine that your deceased loved ones are surrounding you. Not in a spooky haunted house kind of way, but instead just imagine them sitting beside you now, joining you in singing and in prayer and in Holy Communion. Imagine the church triumphant alongside the church militant, so to speak. Imagine your loved one looking into your eyes, holding your hands, and saying this to you. I know life is hard. It was hard for me too. But if God can use me to have such a big impact on you, then I know God can use you to have a big impact on others too. Don't give in to fear or worry or scarcity. Don't let those doubts get in your way of following God. Life is always going to be tough, especially when you're a disciple of Jesus. But he is always going to be faithful. So stick with it. Don't give up. He's right here with you. And I am right beside you, cheering you on the whole time. And consider this. Not only are your personal loved ones surrounding you and cheering you on, but so too are all of the generations of people who have been a part of this congregation. I mean, think about it. St. Paul Lutheran Church is 206 years old, my friends. There have been a lot of people who have been a part of this community throughout the years. Those in the past saw personal challenges and tough times in the world. And they saw God leading them through all of them. So that means God will lead us through our challenges as well. If they trusted God through all that happened in their lives, if they did their part to pass this community along to you, then we can certainly trust God too. And we can do our part to pass this community on to future generations as well. So this All Saints Sunday is not just a day to look back and remember our loved ones. This is a day to celebrate that their faith still echoes in our lives today. And to see how your faith can ripple out to others in the very same way. This might not be our New Year's Day, but it sure does feel like a new beginning, with a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us and cheering us on, and with Jesus bringing all of us to new life.
Now that's a reason to celebrate. So in the name of the one who is faithful in this life and the next, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.